Bah, 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 bah. All I hear is ball, so I got a ball. All I do is win, but I had to fall the best part. Was getting up again, ball, ball, ball. All I hear is ball, so I got a ball. All I do is win, but I had to fall the best part. Was getting up again, waking up again, cause I was how with friends. We be Arctic in a frying pan. What's important, man? You want foil, man? Illuminate. And then distorted, man. I'm submerging in, it's a fact. Off the bench from the west side, for the west side, high echelon. Serving them like restaurants. Hey, same, same. We are not the same. Same, same, 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 we are not the same. What up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the ISO Podcast. I am your host and fellow Hoop fanatic, Trey Crowder. Thank you guys for tuning in for yet another edition of the ISO Podcast. I know we are back on a short week, but I had to do the Halloween episode. It was a must, so (laughs) I tried to stretch it out a little bit further. Um, I usually record on Mondays, but decided to come in on Tuesday. One, because I'm off, and then I figure I can give a better episode because I'm not pressed for time. (laughs) And then two... Just because uh, I wanted to give a little space in between the episodes. So I anticipate being back on Monday of next week on our regularly scheduled program. But who knows, work schedule and everything that happens in life, you'll get it next week for sure, though. (laughs) So um, just uh, talking about basketball, though, man, it's it's been a pretty exciting season. I'm really excited for the college basketball season that's uh, pretty much kicking off tonight. Uh, Some notable games that we're going to talk about today. Some uh, good matchups that I'm looking forward to seeing. And then just overall, uh, just basketball, high school, college, pro, the game is looking good. Um, a lot of rule changes. I, I finally gotten a chance to see what like the, the coach's challenge looks like in real time. And it's, it's still is growing on me. I don't know how I feel about it. I have to see it in a playoff setting because I feel like that's when it's really going to you know mean something. In the reg- I watched it against the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls. So I was probably the only person in the world watching that game other than the people in the arena. But it's um, it's definitely something that's new to the game. I've been seeing a, a lot of things going on with the G League, saying they're proposing a, a rule that I absolutely hate. I think it's terrible. Um, they're trying to make it to where both free throws just count for one. And I get it. They're trying to, you know, speed up the games and – you know, they want to make it to where the fans are are not having to sit so long through a game. But the people who actually like basketball, the people who know all the outcomes that could, could come about from free throws, it, it's almost like sacrificing the integrity of the game for the entertainment value. But whenever you're looking at pro sports or even collegiate sports because there's money involved, you, you know that's in the play. But I don't like it. It's, it's dumb. Like if one person makes a free throw and he's a 50% shooter, Now, all of a sudden, he just got credit for two, and they can win a game off that, and vice versa. You know, somebody misses the first first free throw, and then he still has a chance to tie it, but now that he missed the first, he doesn't get a second shot. So it's just dumb. It's it's in an effort to to sell more tickets, but you're not really getting real fans there, and people who aren't real fans aren't the ones that are, you know, filling the seats. So 
Before we get into the rundown, um, if you're not already following me on Instagram and Twitter, please go ahead and do so um, at Hoofax, H-O-O-P underscore underscore F-A-C-T-S. Again, that's H-O-O-P underscore underscore F-A-C-T-S. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. Hope everybody was safe, of course. Um, Halloween was fun for me. I just stayed in. We watched scary movies. I watched this weird-ass movie called Midsummer, and at the end of it, I didn't understand what I just watched. <laughs> but it was it was like real eerie, like just watching it and some of the stuff that they actually showed. It it wasn't like jumpy scary. It, it had a few moments like that, but overall, it was just like a mind fuck, if anything. So. I would still encourage you to go see it because it's definitely different from anything I've seen in recent memory. Um, and it's, it just after after watching that movie, you will um, question people who have influence in our society. <laughs> so you might listen to Jesus is King a little differently from Kanye West after watching that movie. But um, before we get into the rundown, I'm gonna give some quick birthday shout outs. Not too many big names in this list other than like some legends, but I got some bums mixed in there as well, too, because <laughs> I got to pay homage to everybody who was in the league or at least a notable name. So first one is Psycho T, former North Carolina. I think he's like North Carolina uh, University's all-time leading scorer. But Tyler Hansbro, a.k.a. Psycho T, turned 34. I don't know if he's still playing. If he is, he's probably collecting a check overseas. A lot of players who are dominant in college who play with a high level of effort can go over there and still make money. You just I talked about it last week. With uh, Amari Stoudemire, it's 36, and he just signed a deal over there. So anything is possible overseas. He might still be getting a check. I hope he is. And then his former teammate, uh, Ty Lawson, just this past week turned 32. And he used to play for my Denver Nuggets. Um, I'm surprised he's out of the league. Ty Lawson can definitely be like a valuable backup for uh, a pretty good team right now. I just know he had a couple run-ins with like DUIs and shit just started kind of going down, you know, a, a path of destruction for Ty Lawson. So... I know he is playing overseas. I hope he is getting his shit back together. I definitely like to see him in the league. Him, guys like him and Brandon Jennings, I still think they have something to give to an NBA team, especially considering that they could score. And that's what the game is now. It's like a lot of score first point guards having success. So um, Eric Paschal, a rookie for the Golden State Warriors, uh, former Villano- Villanova standout. He turned 23 uh, yesterday, I think, actually. And he had a pretty big game. I'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, well, actually, pretty soon in this episode. But he turned 23. Trey Lyles, uh, forward for the San Antonio Spurs, former Kentucky Wildcat, turned 24. Yam Mahimi, um, bum. <laughs> I said I had some bums mixed in here, but he just turned 33. And somehow he's still collecting NBA checks. So shout out to his agent and his whole <laughs> staff for, for making that happen continuously. And, I mean, he is playing on the Wizards, though. Like I said last week, I could probably get a 10-day on the Wizards just because they have nobody in that front court. And then uh, Theo Pinson for the Brooklyn Nets. You might not be too familiar with him. He played in North Carolina, real versatile guy. I actually think he has a pretty bright future in the league. Maybe not as, like, a star, but kind of like a Dorian Finney-Smith for uh, the Mavericks, just somebody who can be a solid player if given the opportunity. He's turned 24. And then Jerry Stackhouse, former uh, Dallas Maverick, NBA great, turned 45. And then uh, Bill Walton, uh, we all know about him, former former um, Portland Trailblazer, uh, one of the, I, I guess you can, I, nah, I wouldn't say one of the best big men of all time, <laughs> but he is definitely one of the most, uh, I say well-known big men of all time. A lot of people in the basketball circles know about Bill Walton just because of his electric personality. And 
I think Bill Walton smokes a lot of weed. Not going to lie. <laughs> Listening to him on them Pac-12 broadcasts, sometimes he'll go on a tangent. And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? But he turned 67, so he got some more years to smoke up. <laughs> but with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the rundown. So last night's NBA action, uh, we had six games on the slate. Wasn't super busy, but still, you know, pretty good amount of games that, that were actually entertaining, too. The Detroit Pistons, they visited the Washington Wizards, and they lost 99-115. to The uh, New Orleans Pelicans are still continuing to lose, but they are very entertaining. <laughs> they traveled to Brooklyn, and they fell to uh, Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. The Houston Rockets, um, they took down the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis, 107-100. to The Milwaukee Bucks traveled to Minnesota and took down the Timberwolves, 134-106. to the Portland Trailblazers visited the Golden State Warriors at the Chase Center where everybody has been busting the Golden State Warriors' ass, and they actually lost. Uh, Golden State Warriors won 127 to 118, and that was the first win for the Warriors in their, their new arena, the Chase Center in San Francisco. Funny to see that the first win came without Stephen Curry, without Klay Thompson, without Draymond Green. Pretty much the whole core of their team was off the court when they got the first victory in this arena, so... That was pretty interesting. Maybe sign of things to come. They might not be there for too long, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, they took their, they suffered their first loss of the season. Uh, they traveled here to Phoenix and lost to the Suns, and I am not going to lie to you. I didn't see that shit coming. My homeboy at work texted, well, not texted me. Before I left, he had told me, he was like, Suns going to get this victory tonight, and I was like, you smoking rocks. <laughs> and it turns out I'm the one that's smoking rocks because they won. They, uh... The Suns look nice this year, and I'll talk about that some more in this episode, too. But they handed the 76ers their first loss, 114-109. to And like I said, man, this, this season has been full of ups and downs already, and it's only been two weeks. Um, some ISO standouts from, uh, from last night's slate of games. Devin Booker was key for the Suns in that victory over the 76ers. He dropped 40 points. Kyrie Irving for the, um, the Brooklyn Nets. Dropped 39 points and had nine assists against the New Orleans Pelicans. And they were going back and forth because on the opposite side, another fellow Dookie, <laughs> Brandon Ingram, he had a career-high 40 points with five rebounds and five assists in the losing effort um, against the Brooklyn Nets. And then down in, um, down in uh, Memphis, James Harden dropped 44 points and had 10 rebounds. And then Eric Paschal, the guy that I previewed earlier in the basketball shot, I mean the birthday shout-outs, he dropped 36 points and 13 rebounds, and nobody's seen that coming. This is the most points by a rookie this season, and he was a second-rounder. So with the injury to Draymond Green, he's kind of stepped in. He had like two games before that where he scored like 25 and 24 points. So to see him drop 36, pull down 13 rebounds on his birthday, that was definitely um, you know a memorable moment inside the Chase Center, like I said, that didn't feature you know their, their core unit. So... Clap it up for those guys, the ISO standouts. They balled out, of course, and got, well, aside from Brandon Ingram, <laughs> got their team a victory. And then uh, talking about tonight, some of the upcoming games. So the Indiana Pacers will visit the Charlotte Hornets. The Boston Celtics will travel to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. The San Antonio Spurs will take on the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. The Orlando Magic will visit the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Los Angeles Lakers will take on the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. And the Miami Heat, that's probably like the game of the night because both of those teams are, are pretty good. But the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets I'm talking about will face each other in Denver. 
And that should definitely be an entertaining matchup. Both teams are, right now, Miami is at the top of the East, and the Denver Nuggets are, like, right in the conversation. So, shout out to them. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to the NBA injury report. Uh, Golden State Warriors, point guard, former two-time MVP, Steph Curry, man. This is sad, because it seems like everything bad keeps happening to the Warriors. (laughs) Like, they lose Kevin Durant. And game five of the uh, of the NBA Finals, and then game six they lose Klay Thompson. Season's over. Start next year. Stephen Curry is hurt a couple games into the season, and now he will be out for three months. Um, he has to have surgery to repair his broken left hand. So it just seems like the the chips keep falling for them, and everybody in the league unfortunately is loving it because they have dominated for so long. Everybody is just rejoicing the fact that they are no longer at the top of the league and nobody has sympathy for them. So <laughs> hopefully they can get back. Uh, D'Angelo Russell was also missed time and Draymond Green will miss a few games with a torn ligament in his left index finger. So you're going to see a lot of G League guys. Like last night when I watched that game against the Portland Trailblazers, it was some people on the court for the Golden State Warriors that I've never seen before in my life. It looked like created characters on 2K suiting up in the lineup wearing Golden State Warriors jersey. Like, it was a dude named Kai Bowman, and he was balling. He was giving uh, Damian Lillard a run for his money. He was real quick, shifty. He can shoot. He looked like somebody you'll see playing at your local L.A. fitness or 24-hour fitness, but <laughs> he was killing. I can't lie. He, he was doing this thing. And then um, the another, another guy on their squad that's been playing pretty well, uh, Damian Lee, he is – if I'm not mistaken, he is engaged or married to Steph Curry's little sister. And he, he has said something in the news the other day, like he is on the team because of his talent and not because of his connections. And I disagree, but he's making the most of his opportunity and he, he's been playing pretty well. And then, of course, Eric Paschal, he, he's been doing this thing, too. And then uh, Reggie Jackson for the Detroit Pistons, he's out at least four weeks with a back injury. So we'll see some more Derrick Rose in that lineup. He's been looking like the old Derrick Rose that we fell in love with back when he won the MVP award. And, you know, he, he now has that opportunity and he looks healthy. So I'm happy for Derrick Rose. Unfortunately, Reggie Jackson got to get back healthy. But by the time he comes back, he might not get that starting spot back because Derrick Rose is turned back the hands of time. Uh, down in Portland, Zach Collins is expected to have surgery on his left shoulder. Um, they will give the timeline for his return after the surgery, but uh, Zach Collins was another one of those uh, top 10 picks out of Gonzaga that Portland took, and they're just hoping his career doesn't end up going like Myers Leonard did. And right now it's kind of doing that, but he's a little tougher. I think he'll eventually figure it out. He just has to be a better rebounder, and I, I just think he's fallen in love too much with that outside shot. I know he can shoot it, but... You got to bang down low and then, you know, work inside out. And then uh, Trey Young, he is expected to return to the starting lineup tonight against the San Antonio Spurs after missing some time with an ankle injury. And I'm happy to see that because I got him on my fantasy team. So I need him back. <laughs> I need him back. I got a tough matchup this week. And then uh, Blake Griffin, another one of my fantasy players. He is almost ready to get back on the court. Blake told reporters that he is feeling good and he is very close to returning. He has missed the first eight, first eight games of the season with a hamstring injury. And uh, I'm excited to see Blake get back on the court because he, he's one of the most versatile power forwards in the league. Athletic, can shoot that three down like nobody else. He, he hit damn near 200 threes last year, which is crazy to say. And then, of course, he's one of the best passers from that power forward position. So moving on to some more NBA news. Giannis Antetokounmpo was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. And Anthony Davis was named Western Conference Player of the Week. We, we, we're going to get used to seeing these big names in the, the Player of the Week 
you know, awards just because they're always going to have the opportunity. As long as they stay healthy, you're going to see LeBron, you're going to see AD, you're going to see Giannis. But you'll also start to see guys like Luka Doncic and the other ones sprinkling in too. But this isn't this isn't too much of a surprise. Anthony Davis had that game uh, against Memphis where he had like 40 points and 20 rebounds. So we've seen that coming. But congratulations to those guys. They, they definitely played well in the second week of the season. And I look forward to seeing big things from them as the season progresses. Next story, LeBron James continues to raise the bar for excellence. What can LeBron not do? <laughs> On the basketball court, outside the basketball court, he's making movies now. I did hear him rap one time, though, and that shit was pretty pretty uh, horrendous. <laughs> That's probably the only thing he can't do. Um, oh, wow, I actually just got an update, too. Zach Collins uh, did have the surgery, and he will be out for um, more than four months, so we won't be seeing him anytime soon. Uh, but back to LeBron James, he is planning to provide transitional housing for students and families who attend his I Promise School in Akron, Ohio. It is intended for families who are in need of safe shelters. So that's pretty dope to see. He has the resources to, to make a change, and he is doing that. You see a lot of people, um, you know, invest money in a, a lot of lucrative businesses, as he has done as well. But to see people invest back into education and invest in the youth you know, because that is our future. And if LeBron James can have a hand in, you know, creating maybe even the next LeBron James or the next black mogul or, you know, inspire kids all around the world, that is, is definitely something that we need to see more of. You got a lot of people who can do this, but don't do it. So whenever LeBron receives criticism, I tend to just it goes in one ear and not the other because it's a lot of things he's doing that he doesn't have to be doing. So shout out to him. And he's having a remarkable season so far. I was talking shit about him last episode, but he came back and shut me up. He had that virtuoso performance against uh uh Luka Doncic and it it that was a a, a shootout of catastrophic proportions for real <laughs> but two MVP candidates going at it in the west and LeBron LeBron uh came away victorious so that was that was a good matchup to see probably so far that might be the game of the year just early in the season it's always like a few of those games that kind of stand out during the season that kind of have like that playoff atmosphere. I think that was the first one of this year that we'll see. Of course, plenty more to come, though. Uh, Stephen Curry still intends to play in the 2020 uh, Olympics, even though he broke his left hand. So his dad actually said this. We haven't heard it from Stephen Curry himself, but I know they're really close, and a lot of times he echoes his sentiments. And then uh, Markel Fultz, uh, he was named the starting point guard for the Orlando Magic. He made his first start this past Sunday. And that's also another thing that's pretty funny because I was just talking shit about him, too. <laughs> it's all coming back to me on this episode. The uh, last episode, we talked about how, you know, I, it was a story about this kid coming out of Washington who I was like, this guy is going to do it. He's going to be the next big thing. And he let me down, man. So he to see him get traded and now re regain the starting point guard spot, it's trending in the right direction. And I think with more opportunity, Markel Fultz would definitely be able to prove why he was the number one pick in the uh, 2016 NBA draft. And then Cavaliers rookie guard Kevin Porter Jr. has been suspended for one game without pay after bumping an official during the Cavaliers' 131-111 loss to the Mavericks on Sunday. So they was getting their ass waxed. Um, he probably got a little irritated. <laughs> rookie, rookie, uh, rookie guard, not really used to, to the NBA yet and taking these losses. It's, it's 82 games, so there's going to be a lot more of those. And you play for the Cavaliers, so expect a lot of losses for years to come. <laughs> And then uh, the Atlanta Hawks, this was some sad news. Once again, man, I got the whole damn league on my fantasy team. I got John Collins on my squad, but I don't anymore. I dropped his ass like a bad habit this morning. I picked up Jabari Parker. He, um, John Collins was suspended for 25 games without pay 
after violating the terms of the NBA and NBA Players Association anti-drug program. According to the league, Collins tested positive for growth hormone-releasing peptide. I don't know what that means, but they suspended on 25 games, and now the Atlanta Hawks are going to be without their second-best player. So that sucks because that was the team that was on the up-and-up. actually predicted them to, to make the Eastern Conference playoffs, and now I don't know if that's going to happen without their second-best player. So both of my predictions are just coming to shit. New Orleans Pelicans, uh, I said that they were going to make the playoffs. They're one and six. They got like the worst record in the league. And then uh, the Atlanta Hawks, I picked them to uh, to finish. But in my defense, I picked this. <laughs> I made those uh, predictions assuming everybody was healthy. And with Zion Williamson going down and with now John Collins being suspended for 25 games, it's definitely going uh, to impact the early season predictions I made. So, some uh, other basketball news moving on to college. Duke has signed uh, top 100 center Mark Williams. Um, he is 7 feet, 230 pounds. I'm pretty sure he's dominating high school. I haven't watched him, but just that size. He's top five in his position, and it makes sense. Uh, and then they also landed a commitment from 2021 forward A.J. Griffin. He's a junior in high school, and he is considered a top 10 player in the class. He is six foot six, 195 pounds. Just like how Duke likes to get their wings, he's going to come in, and I'm pretty sure he's going to make a big impact when he finally uh, you know, comes to Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then last college story we got, Texas guard Andrew Jones is expected to play a significant role for the Longhorns. He missed, the, he missed most of the last two seasons after receiving uh, treatment for cancer. So he was diagnosed with leukemia in January of 2018, and I remember watching him play too. He was pretty good, but obviously the – after getting the treatment, he had to take some time off. But to see him back, I mean, this this is exciting to see. And, of course, he's going to have the support of, of everybody and, you know, Longhorn fan base. But just the college basketball, it's another story. And with him actually being a talented player, there you can – you I've seen stories like this with guys like Isaiah Austin that played for Baylor. Um, you know, whenever they dealt with, with things like this, the, the players on the team kind of have a different respect for him. And being that he's going to be one of the best players on the team, he's not going to take, you know, practices. He's not going to take games for granted. And that kind of approach is going to trickle down to the rest of the players in the team. So expect Texas to to do some big things. And with head coach Shaka Smart down there, they're, they're definitely going to be competitive. So before we get into the episode, let's go ahead and preview the topics for the day. So the first topic we're going to get into is facts or fugazi. <laughs> and what we're going to do is, you know, look at some of the teams that are starting off in the league uh, this season. And if they've gotten off to a slow start or they've gotten off to a fast start, we're going to say if I think that is a true and it's going to hold up or if I think it's fugazi and it's just smoke and mirror so far. And then in quarter number two, we're going to look at the best free agent destinations. So last week we looked at... um you know, some of the best young talent, some of the best teams that have a, the best combination of young players. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best free agent destination. So we'll talk about that. And then at halftime, I'm introducing a new segment. It's called Free Game. And what this is, is I'm going to pick a team in the NBA. And I'm basically, I'll get into it at halftime some more. But what I'm doing is basically trying to improve their situation. So I'll talk about it a little bit more uh, at halftime. And then in the third quarter, we're going to analyze some coaches who are on the hot seat. So some, some coaches who may have had some, some success or some coaches that may have underachieved, you know, during their entire tenure. We're going to talk about who's on the hot seat, who might be on their way out. And then the final quarter of the day, we're going to finish it with a college basketball season preview. 
Like I said, the season is kicking off today with some pretty big games, so we'll talk about that, and I'll give some more of my predictions, and hopefully these go, you know, the right way. <laughs> so sit back, relax, let's go ahead and get into it, and uh, let's have a lot of fun today. Facts or Fugazi? Now, this this topic coming up with this one was, was kind of fun, because obviously when, when the season starts, the natural question to ask yourself is, all right, if this team is doing this, is this going to last? And then if... You know, somebody's getting off to a slow start, like, all right, is this something that, you know, is this real or is this just like, you know, maybe some chemistry issues that haven't worked itself out? So these are two things that I've been, you know, entertaining early in the season and I chose to pick three of each. So I picked three teams who have gotten off to a slow start and three other teams who are exceeding expectations. So I'll say if I think their season is facts or fugazi. And by facts, I mean, like, you know, are they going to continue to do what they're already doing? So if they're starting off hot, you know, are they going to continue to play this well? And then I'll give context too. like maybe if I think they're starting really hot, I think they'll still be a good team, but maybe not as good as they're showing now. <clears throat> and then as far as Fugazi, I'll talk about, you know, some of the teams that I think is just maybe easy scheduling so far. Um, maybe just some things that's worked in their favor that I don't think will hold up for the whole season. So we'll get into it all. So. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about is the Miami Heat. So right now they are tied for the best record in the league at five and one. And, um, you know, basically it's just Jimmy Butler out there with a bunch of G League players. <laughs> like Kendrick Nunn, I think Duncan Robinson just went in there and dropped like 23 points the other day. Like it's some people that they put on the court as well. And I'm like, how the fuck are they making this work? But they've had some uh, pretty good, pretty good wins too. Like. They beat the Bucks already, which is one of the best teams in the league, and they smacked the Rockets. Like, they were beating the Rockets by, I think, a historic margin. They were up by, like, 40 or something like that. So they they are playing really hard, and they are definitely um, looking like, you know, the class of the East right now. They're top 10 in scoring and defense. So, um, you know, they look really good. They're a complete team. They got Bam Adebayo down low. Uh, he's actually showing – you know, an impressive passing touch that I didn't know he had. I knew he could rebound. I knew he could finish. And I knew he was a presence on the defensive end. But he's showing, you know, himself to be an even better player. Jimmy Butler, we already know what to expect from him. And then their young guys. Kendrick Nunn is leading them in scoring. And Tyler Harrow is is looking like, you know, a killer when he comes into the game. Like, he he is not holding anything back. He's tough. He's aggressive. And, you know, that, that thing is – that's pretty much infectious. Like, with, with Jimmy Butler and that team – like, they take on his identity, and I think with that, you know, that that's definitely going to hold up throughout the season. They're always going to be a tough matchup, but I think it's Fugazi. I don't think it's going to hold up for the whole season. I think they will still make the playoffs because I believe in Jimmy Butler, and I believe in, um, you know, Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and that whole organization not being losers, but I don't think uh, they'll be one of the top teams in the East. They're 5-1 and one right now. I expect, you know, throughout the course of the season for – you know, them to come back to reality. Like I said, I do think they'll make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll be one of the best teams in the league. So moving on to the uh, second one. Now, that was a hot start team. I'm just going to bounce back and forth. So slow start, and then third one would be hot start, and vice versa. I mean, bounce back and forth. So for uh, number two, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. So right now, they're kind of getting off to a slow start. They're eighth in the East at three and four. Um, they have the fourth worst defense in the league. That's one of the things that stood out most to me. They're allowing 120 points per game. Yes, 120 points per game. Like, that's bad to allow a team that much points, like maybe once or twice, but that's their average, meaning they've probably given up more, <laughs> you know, at some point uh, within these first seven games. 
But they are second in scoring with 121 points per game. And Kyrie is doing what I always said he would. Like, he's averaging 31 points and eight assists. And usually when people ask me, like, who are my top five in that point guard, I got Stephen Curry at number one. But I always had Kyrie at two. And the reason why is because Kyrie can do everything offensively. His main deficiency is defense. But the same can be said for Damian Lillard, who challenges him for that second spot. So, um, or maybe even Russell Westbrook, but his inefficiency with me is why I don't feel like his, his contribution impacts the game as much um, as the other two guys I just mentioned. But with Kyrie Irving, you know, he has his own team. He's playing in an up-tempo system, and he's averaging 31 and 8. So you're, you're, seeing it, you're, you're seeing him be the leader that, you know, Boston said he wasn't, but I think they had way more issues down there except Kyrie. I do think he played a role in it. He's even admitted it saying that when his grandfather passed away, he, you know, his all wasn't into the game and that wasn't his main priority. So I think he has a clear mind now. He's close to home. He grew up in Jersey. He's playing in Brooklyn. So I think um, for their slow start is Fugazi. I think they'll eventually bounce back. I do think they'll be like a top five team in the, in the uh, East. And I think that they'll figure it out. They got a closer in Kyrie Irving. Torian Prince has been playing well. They do have veteran leadership with DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, so I think they'll be a pretty good team. And uh, once, you know, Joe Harris starts knocking down shots the way he was last year, Karis LeVert has already been playing well. They just got to figure out how to play together. And once they do that, I think they'll be one of the best teams in the East. So moving back on to a team that has gotten off to a pretty hot start and uh, appropriate for the location. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> they are tied for second in the West right now at five and two. This is crazy. They have won five games within the first seven. And that's like a quarter of the wins they had last year across 82 games. So they are definitely getting off to a hot start. And they have had some impressive wins. They knocked off the Clippers, who many believe to be, you know, the title favorites, including myself. Uh, they also just handed the 76ers their first loss of the season last night. So they are playing pretty well. Um, and they are doing what they're supposed to. They're blowing out the average teams. They blow out the Kings, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies uh, on top of those impressive victories. And get this. Only the, the two losses that they've had have come to the Jazz and Nuggets. So those are two teams that are going to be, you know, in the Western Conference fight towards the end of the season. But get this, they've only lost to both teams by one point. So they lost to the Jazz by one, they lost to the Nuggets by one. So call me crazy, but I'm going to say facts, man. I think it's real. I don't think they'll finish at the top of, uh, of the, the Western Conference just because it's that competitive. But I do think they might... They'll, they'll get in anywhere from, I say, six to eight. Six to eight. And it's facts because with them being, like, I know I said Fugazi for the Miami Heat because I didn't think that they would be one of the best teams, but I still thought they would be a successful team. But the reason why this one is facts is because they were so bad the previous three years that now if they even make the playoffs, that's such a drastic jump that I have to kind of believe in them playing well. Like, I talked about Kelly Oubre's influence, um, you know, and that defensive presence on the wing last episode. Monty Williams is, is showing, you know, maybe they weren't lacking talent. Maybe it was just a lack of guidance and veteran leadership. And Ricky Rubio had a big game uh, yesterday. Devin Booker, if, you know, he continues to lead this team the way, uh, the way he has so far, He's definitely going to make an all-star appearance, and I predicted him to do so last episode. So I'm going to say facts for, uh, for the Phoenix Suns. So moving on to number four, team getting off to a slow start. I'm talking about the Portland Trailblazers. So they are currently 10th in the Western Conference at three and four. Um, and this is – it's not like they start off bad, but with the Portland Trailblazers, they typically get better as the season goes on. 
and that's definitely going to happen this year because they have so many new players in the rotation, like Mario Hazonia, Kent Bazemore, Hassan Whiteside. Anthony Simons is even, um, you know, a guy I'm really high on. He's, like, in the rotation now. He hit the shot in their last game against the 76ers that I thought was going to be the game winner. He knocked it down, and everybody in Portland was celebrating. And then <laughs> here comes Furkin Komets. That, that, yeah, Furkan Komets hit the game winner for the 76ers. And nobody's seen that coming. But back to the, the Trailblazers, like, they're a really good team, but they just have to learn how to gel together. And they're going to have their growing pains, like I said, with Zach Collins going down so early in the season. Yusuf Nurkic is still trying to get back. Hassan Whiteside is adjusting to, you know, being a full-time center again and, you know, keeping his emotions intact. You saw him kind of get out of character last night against the Golden State Warriors uh, where, you know, the, the Warriors had went on a run and he extended his arm and, and pushed uh, Kai Bowman in the neck. Those are just the frustrating things that he has to not do because he's now on a team that is, you know, looking to, to compete for a title. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year, so he has to keep his emotions in check. Um, but they have had some bad losses, I mean, bad wins. Like, to the Kings and the Thunder, like, out of their three wins, those are two of them. It kind of makes you think, like, well, maybe they aren't this good. You know, maybe the new acquisitions didn't necessarily make them better. They're currently 10th in the West at 3-4, and four, so... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Fugazi though. I think they'll get it back together. Um, they're starting off slow, but they're gonna be a playoff team. They have as long as they have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum in that backcourt, they're gonna they're gonna be in the conversation at least in the Western Conference playoffs. So I think they'll get it back together just like they always do. They'll probably finish you know in the top four in the Western Conference, and I don't think we have much to worry about with them. So moving on to another Western Conference team. This one has gotten off to a blazing start. We are talking about the Dallas Mavericks. So they are currently fourth in the Western Conference right now at four and two. They, uh, they're exciting to watch. <laughs> they're really entertaining. And Luka is the, the spearhead of that entertaining squad. Like, once again, man, Dirk left and Luka stepped in. And they, they, they I remember for the longest, I was like, man, the Dallas Mavericks make the playoffs every year. And that one year where they finally beat the Miami Heat, it was like a long time coming because they're always in a the conversation. They're always were, were a talented team with veterans that can shoot the ball and stretch the floor and were a tough out for anybody when uh, Dirk was there. So Lucas kind of reestablishing that identity for the team. He's a legit MVP candidate, averaging 26 points, 10 rebounds, almost 10 assists right now. The only two losses they have have come to pretty good teams. Like they lost to the Blazers. They lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. So I know the Blazers are only three and four, but I think, like I said, I think they're better than what their record indicates. And for them to have a loss to the Lakers, who are like at the top of the West right now, those are two quality losses. And they took the Lakers to the brink. Like I said, I talked about it earlier in this episode. And this team just has quality depth. Like depth is something that is is very underrated. Like everybody pursues the star players, but when you could bring off somebody, when you could bring somebody off the bench like DeLon Wright, you know, he is probably one of the best backup point guards in the league, extremely versatile, has playoff experience with the Toronto Raptors. Seth Curry coming off the bench, shooting that ball. Uh, You also have, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jalen Brunson, the point guard from uh, Villanova. You know, he won a championship at Villanova, had a solid rookie season. They have people that, that can come off the bench and really make an impact. And I think that this is a strong team. Tim Hardaway Jr., another one of those guys who can light it up in a hurry. And I think that their fast start 
I'm going to say it's facts because for everything I just alluded to, like they're a solid team and they have two go-to guys in Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis is still, you know, trying to get back into the swing of things from recovering from that injury, but he still is averaging 20 points. So imagine when he gets it together around playoff time and they, the chemistry already seems like it's there. Everybody knows who the top dog is in Luka. And if I think only thing he needs to work on is obviously his man-to-man defense, him not being the most athletic guy, but he is crafty. He's in the passing lanes. He's averaging nearly two steals a game. So I think the Dallas Mavericks will definitely be a, a playoff team this year. And um, yeah, they, they, they got, they're going to have something to say in the playoffs because Luka Doncic is one of the most exciting players in the league to watch. And then the final team for our Faxer Fugazi segment is the New Orleans Pelicans. So they've gotten off to a super turtle slow start. <laughs> like they are they're disappointing me because, like I said, I picked them to make the playoffs. And right now they are tied with the Knicks for the worst record in the league at one and six. Like they are super trash right now. They're garbage. Um, but surprisingly, the only win they have is against the Nuggets and they blew them out. <laughs> so it's like they're they're one of those enigmas that is really hard to figure out. Like, is this who they are? Is it just because Zion is hurt and he's arguably their best player? And Zion, if he's not their best player, he's clearly their best interior defender. He's gonna block shots. He's gonna get his hands in the passing lanes. He's you know he's gonna strip big man. He is gonna make an impact when he's on the floor, whether it be rebounding, scoring, highlight real plays to get the crowd and the players you know motivated. So I, I think with Zion being hurt, it definitely impacts it. But I don't know if it impacts us as much as I think it is. And right now, they're fourth in scoring at 119 points per game. But they have the worst defense in the league. They're allowing opponents to score 124 points per game. And that's absolutely unacceptable. Like, there's no way you're going to be a quality team giving up damn near 150 points. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, facts or Fugazi. Are they going to continue to be bad for the rest of the year? I'm going to say facts. I think what they're going to do is just take this year as a loss. I think that when Zion comes back, all they're going to focus on is developing their young players. Brandon Ingram has already been playing out of his mind. He's averaging, you know, damn near 30. He is showing that he can be that alpha dog offensively. And Lonzo Ball is getting more comfortable. Um, Josh Hart is playing well off the bench. Maybe they just want to take this year to develop guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, Zion Williamson. And then, uh, you know, maybe next year they make a real, real run at it. So I'm going to say facts. Uh, I'll accept it on this one. I don't think they'll uh, do what I expected them to. But if they turn it around, I did make the prediction, so I'll still look right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to the uh, the next topic of the day. And we're going to talk about some of the best free agent destinations. So you know, it's a lot of players hitting free agency next year. Anthony Davis is one of the, the big names. So um, we'll talk about that. And, you know, what would be some of the best places for your next favorite superstar to learn? Now, one of the big things that was all over, you know, what I mean, TV yesterday and on the sports websites because they messy and they want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Create narratives as the season goes on. We've seen it a lot with Kevin Durant last year. You know, is he staying in Golden State? Where is he going to go? Is he going to Brooklyn? Is he going to New York? Like, a lot of a lot of speculation tends to go on when a big superstar player is entering his final year of his contract. So, with uh, Anthony Davis, he made headlines yesterday because, I guess, he was in a... It was in, like, a 
community, I think, community service event. And he was asked questions about his free agency. And, you know, he didn't really rule out the possibility of playing in Chicago. He said it's home. And he was like, I mean, but he didn't really say no. But he also didn't really commit to it as well. And I think he know how it came off because he later on clarified it today, saying that, you know, he's just focused on the season. He never said he wanted to play in Chicago. But his genuine reaction in the moment kind of, you know, showed you that the door is still open. And this is something my boy RJ, he kind of brought this up a long time ago, saying, like, I really hope Anthony Davis doesn't bolt to Chicago. And I thought about it, and I'm like, damn, Chicago has Zach Levine. They have Laurie Markin, and they have Wendell Carter. They have um, – What's his name? Uh, Kobe White. Like, that might be a solid team for Anthony Davis to join. So he said he ruled out the possibility of it, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. I mean, he's from Chicago, so it's, it's always going to be, you know, within the, within the mix in terms of the teams he might play for next season if he does decide to leave uh, the Lakers. So I think with, um, with AD and any other superstar – with the free agency coming up, of course, you want to look at the landscape of the NBA and you want to see, like, what's around. And even with Chicago, too, he was talking about how, like, they have some of the best ballers in the league and the guys that made it to the league and didn't make it to the league. He feels like they're the mecca of basketball and not New York. So he's vouching pretty hard for Chicago, even though he don't play for him. So keep that door open. But just in terms of, like, the teams where he could go or the teams where any free agent, you know, this upcoming summer can go, it's some nice landing spots, and I, I picked three of the ones who I think are the most attractive destinations, and for an, uh, a, a number of different reasons, and I, I'll talk to them about it. But the first one that I've talked about in previous episodes, and I figured I'll, you know, narrow it down to three and just kind of talk about which ones I think are the most attractive. But the first one is the Atlanta Hawks. I think they have an abundance of young talent. Like, Trey Young is a star. John Collins, if you stop doing drugs, he's a star. <laughs> um, Cam Reddish has all the potential in the world. DeAndre Hunter is already, you know, starting for this team. He's a top five pick, uh, guy that played two years in college. I definitely think he knows what it takes to win. He won a championship at Virginia. They have uh, veterans, you know what I mean, Bembry, Jabari Parker. They, they're just a solid team, but they also it's, – it's a nice city. Like Atlanta is, you know, a place where a lot of – entertainers live it's a place where you know it's just always talked about as one of the the most cultural places especially for like black people and let's be honest the best free agents that are about to hit (laughs) the market are black so you got to feel some sort of pride knowing that like you have more people that look like you in the city yes you're still a star but it's kind of cool to interact with fans on a on a personal level as opposed to just like you being the guy that they like watching on tv like they can still kind of relate to you, you know what I mean? Because it's people who grew up in environments just like you did. You just grew to be six foot ten and became a great basketball player. But um, I think with with this place, they also have a pretty good cap room. Nobody over there is making big money yet. I'm pretty sure Trey Young will get maxed out in his time. But they they have they have money to throw around, and with a nice young core and a nice big city, you know what I mean? There's definitely not too many other places that can give you that but they also are in the east so you have the potential to run the eastern conference for years to come like I think that kind of played a role in Kevin Durant and Kyrie going to Brooklyn because it's like Kyrie has been in the east but Kevin Durant has played in the west his entire career so let me step over to the east you know what I mean where it's not this tough gauntlet night in and night out and 
you know, who knows what's going to happen once he finally gets back on the court. They might just dominate year in and year out, kind of like LeBron did with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's going to be um, definitely a, a, an attractive selling point for Atlanta. And I think what they should go after in free agency, I think they could really use like a really, really, really dominant center or like a shooting guard. And when I say center, I'm thinking like an Andre Drummond, somebody who can just get more possessions for, for the offense, somebody who can hold down the paint defensively, and then um, maybe even a shooting guard who could, who could stretch the floor. Not saying they're going to get him, but even something like a Clay Thompson. I think Kevin Herter could be that guy, but he still has some years to develop. So maybe put somebody there he can kind of learn behind to maybe, you know, secure your future, but also make you competitive in the present. So I think uh, Atlanta is one of the top three free agent landing spots for um, any free agent, you know, in the in the summer of 2020. And moving on to number two, I just talked about this uh, team in the last segment, and they're really exciting, Dallas Mavericks. With this team, if you join the Mavericks, you have the potential to play with two of the brightest young stars in the league, along with the solid supporting cast, like Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Kristaps is, is one of the elite shot blockers at his position, he can run the floor like a deer. He can shoot the ball. It's the reason why they call him the unicorn. And I feel like Luka Doncic is kind of a unicorn in his own right, just with the way he can pass the ball, the way he can rebound, his feel for the game, even though he's not the most athletic guy, but still being six foot seven, six eight, with, with that body to kind of like take contact. I think, uh, you know, that's definitely two guys that anybody would love to play with. They both seem unselfish. And what the Dallas Mavericks have that's very underrated, what a lot of teams I don't think have to offer, like when the Lakers were trying to recruit – free agents you got to think at the time Frank Vogel was the coach like and not to say that Frank Vogel is a bad coach because I really don't think so but he's not anybody like a Doc Rivers you know what I mean so Kawhi Leonard chose to go play with Doc Rivers like I think that's a, a a point that doesn't really get I don't think it gets enough credit for what it actually means because you're playing under this guy like Kevin Durant he joined the Warriors and I don't I don't know Kevin Durant but I would assume that the coach didn't really make too much of a – it didn't play too much of a role in his decision to join the Warriors. Turned out not having the best relationship with Steve Kerr. Then now he's playing for another team, and I think this time he put a little bit more stock into it because Kenny Atkinson is the head coach for the Nets, and Kenny Atkinson helped establish a culture of, like, hard work, winning, and, like, a positive attitude that has, you know, been infectious throughout the entire organization. So with the Dallas Mavericks, they have that with Rick Carlisle. He is one of the, the, I think, the second longest senior coach in the league behind Pop. He is, you know, he's great, and he knows how to get the most out of his young players. Um, not only does Dallas have great coaching, uh, star power, young star power at that, because Doncic isn't even 21, but they have a big media market. So you're in Texas, so you're going to be seen. You're going to be on national TV. You're going to put yourself in positions to, to make more money from an endorsement standpoint. But even from, you know what I mean, maybe teams wanting to throw you money down the road. It's just when you're, you're constantly on TV and you're seen, you are, are more recognized as a star. Like Drew Holiday puts up the same numbers as like, shit, even better numbers than D'Angelo Russell last year. D'Angelo just got a max deal, but you don't hear people talking about Drew Holiday in that same right. But it's because he's not really seen like that. D'Angelo was just playing in Brooklyn. So they were on TV a lot and they were really entertaining. So um, with that, you're, you're in a big media market, and then you're in Texas, so there's no state income tax. So now you're getting paid more, too. <laughs> so that's a really, really, really attractive point for uh, free agents. And Dallas is, has always been a strong culture. Like, 
Mark Cuban um, is known for like being boisterous and all of that, but I don't really recall too many players saying they didn't enjoy their time in Dallas. Um, I do remember uh, Josh Howard getting into something, but he was, I remember he said some stupid shit. Like he went on YouTube and somebody was singing a national anthem, a national anthem, and he was like, I ain't standing for that shit. And this was like way before Colin Kaepernick, and he was like, I'm black. We don't give a fuck about no stars, Michael Banner, or national anthem. And yeah, we may feel that way, but don't put the shit on YouTube for the world to see. Like that's just terrible. <laughs> but um, I think in uh, in free in free agency, I think what the Dallas Mavericks should go after is like a versatile small forward or like a scoring point guard. I think they always wanted a scoring point guard. Like they made the move in the offseason. They they tried to acquire Goran Dragic from the Miami Heat, and then um. What's his name? Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. He's a scoring point guard. They try to put him alongside Luka Doncic, but I don't think Dennis Smith is the player that a lot of people, including myself, thought he would be. So they kind of moved on, and they moved on while he still had value. But I think they still do want that scoring point guard. You know, somebody like a – they can't get him, but a Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is somebody who can play on or off the ball. Kyrie Irving, you know, just somebody in that type. And maybe they can get a young player that can do that or maybe get a draft pick or something, but – in terms of free agency, I would go after a point guard that can put the ball in the basket. I think Goran Dragic is like a really solid candidate. He, um, you know, he is European too, so he'll have that connection with them as well. I feel like most of the time the European players have like a connection that maybe the American players have that we don't recognize. Like I think there's a reason why Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili mesh so well, even though they both kind of like needed the ball to succeed. I also think there's a reason why Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic is playing well together because I think they come up under – their journey to the league is similar. So they could – you know, I mean, I think they could bond on that. Just like how American-born players come up, you know, in the AAU circuit, McDonald's All-American game, so they kind of know each other. So I think that's something that is is understated. But I think if they can maybe get like a scoring point guard, Goran Dragic, even like a, a, a Eric Bledsoe, like he'll be solid for them too. Or they can look for, like, a versatile small forward, somebody who can defend but can still give them maybe, like, 18 points or more. Um, I think that's something that would really make this team very dangerous. So moving on to the last team, this is the the most attractive free agent destination in my eyes, and I'm talking about the Miami Heat. So I feel like they have kind of done the same thing that the Brooklyn Nets did last year. They, um, they just established a culture. And you've been seeing it for the last few years. Like, they play really hard. They get down. They defend. They're gritty. And like I said, they kind of take on the identity of, of their best player, Jimmy Butler. And um, with that, like, they're never going to give up. They're going to fight hard. And that's a team you want to play on. So they have great coaching with Eric Spolster. He's been there for a while. Uh, he's won championships before. He's coached great players. He's coached LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh at the same time. And that was earlier in his career. So it don't get no more big. It doesn't get too much bigger than that. So to coach, you know what I mean, personalities, he's shown he can do that along with Pat Riley in the front office. They're going to do whatever they can to continue that championship pedigree if given the talent. Um, very entertaining city. Uh, of course, like I said, that's big for endorsements and connections. Miami is is home to some of the biggest stars in, you know, the entertainment industry. And then um, huge cap space. So not too many people over there making big money. Jimmy Butler, of course, but he's like the guy that they want to build around. And I think they can. Um, but they just have a team full of hard workers, man. And it's, like I said, very, very 
similar to Brooklyn and what they did. And I think that they have something good going on in Miami. Um, if there was anything I think they can use in free agency, I think they should go after like a star point guard. I think that um, Kendrick Nunn is, is really good. <laughs> he, he's a rookie that's surprising everybody. But I don't know if, if he's the guy to be their point guard of the future. And I could be wrong. Because he does, he hasn't had a traditional route to the NBA, but he can damn sure score the ball. If if it's something that he can do, he can score with the best of them. But I think they should go after like a star point guard, somebody like a John Wall. But um, he has to be tough. You know what I mean? It can't be somebody who isn't mentally tough, somebody who isn't gonna play defense. Um, I think they should go after like a star point guard who does those things, or maybe even like a dominant power forward. I was thinking like a Blake Griffin. But I don't know if Blake Griffin will mesh well with Jimmy Butler because he's crazy. <laughs> and Blake kind of at times seems, you know, preoccupied with other things off the court, like doing comedy, you know, getting in the film industry, stuff like that. But nonetheless, Blake is talented. He'll make any team better that he joins. And I think that the Miami Heat are definitely the best free agent destination. Just, I mean, shit, what other team can we think of other than like the – because the Golden State Warriors signed Kevin Durant. But they didn't sign, like, Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond. They were homegrown. And then maybe the Boston Celtics, when they signed Ray Allen and KG, but they already had Paul Pierce. Like, the Miami Heat signed LeBron James, who was in his prime at that time. And they also signed Chris Bosh, who was, like, coming off one of the best years of his career in Toronto. So they signed two of the best players and already had probably the, the second best two-guard in the league at the time in Dwayne Wade. So... They've already shown that, you know, stars could go there and be successful and have a good time doing it, too. So uh, those are the top three free agent destinations. Again, I say Atlanta at three, Dallas at two and Miami at one. But uh, it should be interesting to see because obviously teams shake up throughout the course of the season. So maybe they make a move and they don't have cap space anymore. So this could very well change. We'll look at it towards the end of the season. But as of right now, those are my top free agent landing spots. So. Let's go ahead and transition to the halftime segment. And I'm about to give out some free game, y'all. So I hope you're listening. I had a lot of fun creating this uh, segment. And this is something that's definitely going to be around for, like, you know, the foreseeable future. I'll probably be doing this for, like, the next few weeks. And I, I, I think I might bring back the Pick Your Poison segment maybe after All-Star break. But we'll see. It might come a little sooner. But keep a lookout for that because it will return. Um, I definitely enjoy doing that. But for the free game segment, I'll go ahead and explain what it is. So... I'm picking a team that's currently struggling or on the cusp of being a contender, and I'm going to create a scenario that helps that team get over the top. So this solution could be, you know, changes in the lineup, maybe firing a coach or releasing a player or trading somebody. I'm just going to play the role of GM, and I'm going to donate some free games. So the team that I choose uh, is funny because I, I made this transition on purpose. I'm choosing the Miami Heat. And the reason why is because I feel like they've shown right now that they are, are willing to work as hard as they need to as a team, as a collective unit, to be a championship contender. Now, regardless of what I may think, because I don't think they are, they think so. And that's one of the biggest things with, you know, a team being successful. Like, they have to believe in themselves. So, I think with – I know I've said it time and time again, but they, they already were a tough team, and then they signed Jimmy Butler – I don't think Jimmy Butler was the best free agent, you know, available, but Jimmy Butler can hoop. He even said it <laughs> a few days ago. He said, y'all motherfuckers act like I don't know how to play basketball. And it's real because I think he gets overlooked a lot. But 
they signed Jimmy Butler because I think he was somebody who could, you know, further extend the culture that they've created. And he can, you know, invite other players. And Jimmy Butler has always kind of been like, I feel like the guy that can't share. Like, he's like that kid that just won his toy and he won it for himself. Like, he was on the, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Couldn't share the spotlight with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Got into it with him. Went to uh, Philadelphia. Had, didn't, I wouldn't say he beefed with anybody there, but there was a reason why he left. And he even alluded to that, too. People don't know what went down in uh, Philadelphia. He said that a few days ago, too. So now he's on a team with no other established superstar, and he's the only star, and they're winning. So he's showing that he can be that guy, and he also doesn't have to share the spotlight with anybody. Everybody on that team kind of looks up to him. So this is what he's always wanted, and he's succeeding. So he's kind of like taking this opportunity to show other people, like, if you do it my way, we can win. But like I said, his, his, his identity is all over this team. Like, they're tough, they're confident, but they're also overlooked. And that's been the story of his whole basketball career, ever since coming out of Marquette, getting drafted at the end of the first round. You know what I mean? Even not even being a highly recruited player, he's always worked for what he has, and he has always put defense – as a priority. And defense is something that's like, defense is like the ultimate sign of toughness. Like whenever you think of some of the toughest players in the league, they usually play defense. Like PJ Tucker, uh, Marcus Smart, Draymond Green. Those are just some of the few names that come up when you think of like the best defenders in the league. But those guys are off also viewed as like the enforcers for their respective squads. So with him kind of being the best player and being an enforcer, you see him inspire guys like Tyler Harrell. Tyler Harrell was getting into it with Michael Carter Williams. And he's a rookie, you know what I mean? In like his first or second game. And he was drawn. He was going back and forth, but he can hold his own. And he's confident that he can. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, a, a G League player, is coming in, is the leading all rookies in scoring right now. Like he, he's either the first or second behind R.J. Barrett. But he is, he's getting buckets. And nobody cares about his route to the league anymore because he's producing. So that, that's kind of like what this team has been. But I still do think they need a star point guard to run the show and elevate their ceiling. Now, Justice Winslow is another guy on that team who has, you know, become better and better as the years go on. He was a, a former top 10 pick uh, out of Duke. He's just a good young two-way player, but he also plays point guard for Miami at times. But what if the Heat can acquire like a legit full-time all-star point guard? So I came up with a scenario to where they possibly could and, you know, be looked at a little bit differently. So I use the uh, ESPN trade machine, and with that, it, it kind of like, it lets you create trades, but it also has to work financially. So this trade that I'm proposing can actually happen, like if the teams really agree to it, like financially, the, the salaries make sense to where it wouldn't hurt any of the teams, and it's, it's, uh, it can go through, like it's a legit trade. So I um, chose to include the New Orleans Pelicans. So I said, what if the Miami Heat... What's the trade away? Justice Winslow and Goran Dragic. So Dragic is no longer their starting point guard, former all-star. He can score. He can get to the basket still, but he's just not who he used to be. He's probably best suited right now as a bench row, what he's, what he's doing. And then Justice Winslow is just versatile. Swiss Army knife. You can put him anywhere on the floor. He's going to make an impact, whether it be scoring, playing defense, rebounding, or passing the ball. So New Orleans could benefit with both of those guys because Goran Dragic is somebody that could step in and obviously provide a scoring punch for them, and Justice Winslow could be their, you know, defender on the perimeter. 
So I said, what if they traded Justice Winslow and Goran Dragic to the New Orleans Pelicans for Drew Holiday? Now let that sink in. Drew Holiday is an all-star point guard, averaged 21-8 last year, hasn't really gotten off to the best start so far this year, but everybody knows what he's capable of. So think about, because whenever you're trading with a team, it has to work for both sides. Real NBA teams don't agree to one-sided trades. Sometimes they do. <laughs> but for the most part, they don't. So um, the New Orleans Pelicans, their lineup will now be Lonzo Ball at point guard, who they already start at the point, but he kind of splits ball handling duties with Drew Holiday. But just imagine if they was to just put everything into Lonzo. They are really high on him. He's been playing well so far to start the year. What if they just you know gave him all the confidence? Something that the Lakers never did. Because I feel like with the Los Angeles Lakers, they they will pull him whenever he will make mistakes, and he was always looking over his shoulder whenever he did something wrong. So now they'll make him their full time starting point guard, point guard of the future. JJ Reddick can now slide into the two and play that knockdown shooter role to kind of space out the floor. Then you got Brandon Ingram, who's already been going crazy. You know what I mean? And you can put him, start him at the three, and he can continue doing what he was doing. You have Zion Williamson at the four. We already know what he's going to bring to the table. Number one overall pick, exciting, explosive. He can do it all. And then Derek Favors is holding it down in the paint. So now, in doing that, you can still bring um, Goran Dragic off the bench. So he can be your first guard off the bench now and maybe give Lonzo Ball some, uh, some rest if he's maybe not playing the best. Or you could even put him alongside Lonzo Ball because he can play off the ball. And then you put Justice Winslow off the bench. Somebody that's going to come in. He's not going to care about a role. He doesn't he, – I'm pretty sure he enjoys starting for the Miami Heat, but if he doesn't start and as long as they're winning, I don't think he cares. And then um, you still have Josh Hart. You still have Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson, Jackson uh, Hayes, Jaleel Okafor. Like, that lineup will, will be dangerous now because then in late-game situations, you have so much flexibility. You can keep Justice Winslow in in the fourth quarter and let him run the show. You can keep Goran Dragic in if he has it going. So that that definitely will benefit the New Orleans Pelicans. And then moving on to the Miami Heat, the team I initially did this trade for, now look at their lineup. They got Drew Holiday at the one. You can slide Tyler Harrow in at the two now. Put Jimmy Butler at the three. James Johnson at the four. Bam Adebayo at the five. So now you have a legitimate lineup that features two all-stars, and not only are those two all-stars, but it's two all-stars that are two-way players. So they play defense. And then you have interior defender with Bam Adebayo, wing defender with Butler, and a lockup point guard with Drew Holiday. That's who the team is already, but you just have a better person doing it. And then you bring Kendrick Nunn to score off the bench. You bring Myers Leonard off the bench, Derek Jones Jr., Kelly Olenek, Duncan Robinson. Like, your team just gets that much more dangerous. And then, like I said, you just have the star power. Jimmy Butler is going to respect Drew Holiday because Drew Holiday plays defense. He defends. He's tough. And Drew Holiday also played in Philadelphia and has success just like Jimmy Butler. So with them both having that, you know, I, they're not from Philly, but those Philly roots in their NBA career, I think it means something because that's one of the toughest places to play in the league. So <clears throat> this team just gets better all around with that deal. And um, I just think that this will work for both sides. And Miami Heat, Pat Riley needs to, to, to think about this, man, because it's some free game. Man. <laughs> this could definitely take their team over the top and make them one of the most competitive teams uh, in the East. So that was our first segment of free game. I hope you guys loved it. I'll be back with a different scenario next week. And um, just keep your ears peeled and let's, uh, 
Let's continue to, to make these teams better until they listen to me and give me a job. <laughs> so let's transition to quarter number three, and we're going to talk about some of the NBA coaches who are on the hot seat. Oh, boy. Nobody ever wants to be on the hot seat. Nobody ever wants to sit on that hot, burning-ass seat that you eventually got to get up <laughs> and have somebody else replace you. And right now, these NBA coaches, it's a lot of, a lot of teams who are, you know, maybe at a crossroads, like Golden State Warriors. What do we do from here? We were dominating. We're no longer dominating. Do we ride it out? What do we do? You have the, uh, let's see, like the, the Charlotte Hornets. We've been bad. We're going to be bad. Is it the coach's fault? Is it the players? What do we need to do? Questions that need to be answered, but definitely you got to look at the top. And it starts with the coaching. And well, it doesn't start with the coaching, but in terms of on the on the court, the product, that starts with coaching. So I picked four coaches in the league that I think are on the hot seat. And I'll explain what I mean. And I'll definitely uh, <laughs> I'll give context as to how hot that seat is as I talk about them. So we'll start with the first one. And I'm talking about Luke Walton, head coach for the Sacramento Kings. So right now they're on a two-game win streak, but that's their only two wins of the season. <laughs> they're two and five, and uh, right now they're uh, they're missing one of their best players. So we have to cut them a little bit of slack. Marvin Bagley the third is out with a thumb injury, and he won't be coming back anytime soon. He still got a few weeks without him. So you you have to you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's his first year in Sacramento, so I doubt they will fire him this year. However, this was one of the teams that many people thought would take the jump this year. You know, they, they have Buddy Hill, who just got paid. De'Aaron Fox, who's eventually going to get paid. They signed veterans like Trevor Ariza, Corey Joseph, in hopes that, you know, they could put these veteran players who have already been successful in the league and proven. Like, Corey Joseph was one of the perimeter defenders who won championship with the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, Trevor Reza was a great perimeter defender who won a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. So they are putting people there who have that winning pedigree, and they're putting them around the young guys who have the talent. So with that collection of, you know what I mean, players, you would think that they would take that next step up, but they haven't. They've kind of taken a step back. So with Luke Walton being there, I think one of the biggest issues that I've noticed with him is that he struggles to get the most out of his young players. Like Julius Randle was in L.A. And Julius Randle left L.A. and had his best season of his career and then ended up getting paid by New York this past offseason. Uh, Lonzo Ball, he couldn't never get comfortable in Luke Walton's system. I don't think Luke ever believed in him. And he would constantly pull him when, when things weren't going right. He had him splitting time with Rajon Rondo. And he just never really had the full support. And now he's starting in New Orleans, and he's looking pretty decent. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, he, I think he played one season under Luke Walton. And he got traded to Brooklyn. Brooklyn Nets got him, turned him into an all-star. He got paid. Now he's on the Golden State Warriors. And then last one, uh, Brandon Ingram. He played a few years under uh, Luke Walton. And he has some success. He has some decent games. But he never took that next step in his career that um, everybody – felt like he should have taken given the talent that he had in his draft position at number two right behind Ben Simmons. So to see him uh, now playing for the New Orleans Pelicans as well and averaging damn near 30, just coming off a 40-point game, uh, it kind of makes you think like, well, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill were both on the cusp of, you know, damn near fringe all-star, you know, capability last year. Uh, De'Aaron Fox averaged like 17-7, and so you would 
naturally think he will take that next step this year, kind of have like we've seen Trey Young do so far. And then same with Buddy Hill. Like he averaged over 20 last year, shot a really high percentage all around the floor, and then got paid. So you would think, you know, all right, this is the time. They're going to take that next step. They might grab one of them uh, playoff spots in the West. It hasn't happened. Um, I question if he is even a good coach, unfortunately. He had three losing seasons in L.A. The only time I remember him doing something good as a coach is when he was an interim for Steve Kerr, and they had won like 22 or 24 straight games before Kerr returned uh, with the Golden State Warriors. But then again, that was like a super-duper talented team. So I don't know if he's even the man for the job, but uh, hopefully he can get it together because I think those young uh, young guys in Sacramento are definitely talented and they deserve to, to at least have somebody there that knows what he's doing. So I think his seat is lukewarm. <laughs> get it? Lukewarm, see what I did? <laughs> but I think... Uh, Maybe he has, if they don't make the playoffs this year and they, like, miss it by a long shot, I think he has one more year, and then that seed to start start firing up. So moving on to number two, uh, Golden State Warriors. I'm looking at Steve Kerr. And, yes, this is kind of surprising because he's won Coach of the Year before coming off of uh, multiple championships. And right now they're only two and five. So all hope isn't lost. But if you're looking at it from the outside and you're not, like, a Warriors fan kind of like I am, you can see that this shit is destined for failure. Like, Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson are out with significant injuries. Um, they lost KD to free agency. Draymond Green and D'Angelo Russell have both missed time this year. Uh, they just don't have a lot of talent, and they lack depth. So you can't really expect him to, to do anything with the current roster that they have. I'm not expecting him to pull a rabbit out of the hat. However, he has kind of been, you know, living a life with the, the the players that he's had in the past. Like, since joining Golden State, a lot of people were mad because that was the team that, you know, that kind of came up under Mark Jackson. And you kind of wish Mark Jackson would have been able to, you know, take that team over the top because he basically helped them. Like, he took them to 90%, and then Clay, Steve Kerr got hired and did the rest of the 10 and got all the credit for it. So now is the time to prove how good of a coach you actually are because you've – Received all this praise. I'm pretty sure he has one of the best win percentages of all coaches in NBA history uh, up until this point. And shit, just like show what you can do. Because I remember when they used to win games and a lot of people doubted if it was actually him doing it. It was times where we seen Draymond Green with the clipboard drawing up plays. Like what kind of shit is that? <laughs> like he really didn't have to coach. They were that good. And then um, just to see now it's you know opposite and you don't really have – those players on the team, when I see Steve Kerr on the sidelines, when they pan to him, it just looked like he'd be looking at the ceiling for answers. Like he's always looking at the scoreboard. Like, yeah, is y'all getting your ass kicked? <laughs> like figure, figure something out. So I think um, now he's not necessarily in jeopardy of getting fired this year. Um, but I do think sometimes organizations develop that like championship hangover to where like, you know, we, we win the championships, we win the championships, we win the championships. And then when, Let's say if you work the team back up to even like playoff status, it's not good enough because of what you guys were doing in recent history. So that'll sometimes cause teams to move on. But like I said, I don't think he'll get fired this year. Um, I just think that the lack of talent will save him. But if next year, um, you know, they get everybody back and he can't really right the ship, then I think that he to start that C to start warming up. But I, I still think maybe he has like they'll, I think they'll give him at least two or three bad years before they actually fire him. So. His seat is kind of just like, it's, it's a little warm. <laughs> the temperature ain't too hot. 
it ain't gonna burn his hand or nothing like that. But the seat, the seat will get warm eventually, and I think uh, we'll start to see. We'll, this is the year where we'll see. Like, all right, can Steve Kerr actually figure it out? You know, because this is the, the the cards that you're dealt with. So, are you just gonna chuck it up to I don't have great players anymore? Or are you actually gonna prove that you know I've been a good coach all along and the players didn't really make me? So, moving on to the number third. Coach, we are talking, well, number number third, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> Moving on to the third coach, I am looking at Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. So Mike D'Antoni has received a lot of flack in his entire career, for good reason, in my opinion. He is four and three so far this season, and he has two MVPs in his backcourt. Now, I'm not going to kill him too bad because the losses are to playoff teams, like they lost to Milwaukee. They lost to Brooklyn, and they lost to Miami. That Miami loss was bad, though. I will say that. And then their wins, though, aside from maybe, no, nah, none of their wins are really over good teams. Like, they, they beat the Wizards, they beat the Pelicans, they beat the Thunder, and they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. They're allowing 123 points per game, and this is one of the biggest issues I've always had with Mike D'Antoni. Like, he's a regular season coach. He has had the most talented rosters He's probably had some of the most talented rosters of any coach in NBA history. When you think about his time with the Suns, when you think about his time with the Rockets, like he has always had talent, but he never really has shown the ability to get to the finals. And it's because that system is like that system gets exposed in the playoffs because the playoffs slows down and you have to run a half court offense. But D'Antoni's system isn't really like geared towards half court. It's towards like getting the most possessions possible. And if the shots just ain't falling, you're just constantly chucking up bad shots and it doesn't really like do anything positive for the team. So the lack of half court offense, um, the the poor defense, like their defense is terrible right now. And I think the fact that the championship window is closing for the Houston Rockets, he's on the hot seat. I think this year, if like, let's say something catastrophic happens to where they don't make the playoffs, he'll get fired. I think this year his seat is, is low. He has the warmest seat so far, the first three people that I mentioned. But I do think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll be a top five seed, so I think he'll be safe. But this year is probably the last year they're giving him to, like, this is the last year they're giving him to, like, come up short. I think after Russell Westbrook and James Harden have a whole year together and then they come back next year, and if things don't get off to the – if they're not one of the best teams next year, I think he he's in jeopardy of getting fired. Because you have him, and this is that that, like – that thing that I talked about with the Warriors, with the organization kind of getting tired of, like, doing the same thing over and over. Like, all right, D'Antoni, you got us, you know what I mean? You led us to our best regular season record a few years ago, but it didn't amount to a championship. Next year, it didn't amount to a championship. Kevin Durant was hurt. We still didn't beat the Warriors. You know what I mean? So it's like you keep getting talented, you keep getting us there, but you can't get us over the top. So maybe we need to Mark Jackson you and get a Steve Kerr who can. And I think that's eventually what will happen. But... For some reason, Mike D'Antoni is always given, like, time after time to prove that he can do it. He's like the – well, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. I was going to say he's like the Marvin Lewis <laughs> of, of, the, of the NBA because Marvin Lewis is another one of those guys. He can have a good regular season, but when it comes time for the playoffs, he can't get a win. So, and that's why the Bengals keep getting kicked out in the first round. But I think with the, the Houston Rockets, I think they'll get it together. I believe that that duo of Harden and Westbrook will work. And it needs to if he wants to keep his job. Moving on to the last team in our uh, – or the last coach, I mean, in this hot seat series, looking at Billy Donovan for the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
And Billy Donovan right now is, well, let me start off with their record. They're two and four right now. But Billy Donovan, I don't think he has ever gained the respect of his players on the NBA level. When he was at Florida, I think he did, you know, especially with guys like Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, uh, Al Horford. Like when they had that team, I think that he was one of the, he still is considered one of the, the best college basketball coaches, at least that I've seen in my lifetime. But the NBA is a different story. you got to manage personalities, and I don't think he's ever really done that effectively. I think he struggles to, like, create an identity for his team. Like, last year with Paul George being an MVP candidate, <clears throat> Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double, there's no way you're getting kicked out in the first round the way they did. The year before, the same thing happened. They got kicked out by the Jazz, who weren't a better team than them. I think they just knew how to play, and they took away some of the things that Oklahoma City liked to do. So... It's not like he hasn't had talent, but he just he continues to to underachieve and constantly getting kicked out in the first round is not going to keep you a job, especially considering all the talent that he had. And then this year, I think they're they're starting. I think his seat is like on fire right now because with that team trading away like pretty much all their best players, like they traded away Russell, they traded away Paul George, they traded away Jeremy Grant. They're in rebuild mode. Shea Gilgis Alexander is their point guard of the future. I think they're just going to keep Chris Paul around just to kind of groom him. But with this team kind of being in rebuild mode, it's time to get a new coach in there to kind of like reshape the identity. And with Billy Donovan, I don't think he's ever successfully done that. So it'll be pretty easy to, to – it's a pretty good reason to fire him, and especially if they don't make the playoffs. I don't think they will this year, but if they miss the playoffs this year, it'll make it extremely easy to fire him. I just think he's been hanging on by a string for, like, the last few years. Um, they've never made it out the first round, and he's been there for four years. So at what point do you say, like, all right, well, maybe he's just not cut out for this? And I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think he's an average coach, like – I think he is exactly who Scott Brooks was. And Scott Brooks even ended up taking them to the finals, you know, when he had Kevin Durant in them. So I think he is, is still a college basketball coach. College, you don't really have to, like, manage the the uh, the egos as much. You kind of do to a certain extent with these players coming out of uh, high school with, like, the resume and, you know, being highly recruited and all these schools trying to get them. But it's different. They're still kids. You're dealing with grown men who have been paid millions of dollars and being told – you know, they're the best players in the world. That's harder to, to try and, like, take control of, and it takes a, a special kind of coach to do that. And, unfortunately, I don't think he's shown the ability to do so. So I think his seat is on fire. We probably won't be seeing too much ability to kid on the Oklahoma City sidelines for too long. But, hey, maybe it'll be a good thing. Maybe they can get somebody in there that, um, that could actually turn this thing around and, you know, take control over that young talent and, and turn that team into a competitor within the next few years. So, Let's go ahead and transition to the final topic of the day. We just talked a little bit about college with Billy Donovan, but we're about to talk a lot more about it now. And we're going to give a brief college basketball preview. Um, we're just going to go through it. And I'm going to talk about, you know, just give some predictions for tonight's slate of games as well as for the rest of the season. So stick around. Just got one more quarter left, and uh, we're going to get up out of here. So let's get right into it. I don't know about y'all, but I am – super pumped for this college basketball season like this is one that I've been looking forward to for a while especially because this is my first year doing the podcast so I definitely am going to talk about it every week but 
I do think there are some names on here that I'm looking forward to seeing, like especially uh, the big recruits, a lot of names that we'll talk about uh, on this segment, but some of the top teams too. And tonight we're going to definitely get a chance to look at four of the top programs going into this season at the uh, State Farm Classic. So it's going to tip off tonight at Madison Square Garden. And the first game we're going to see is Kansas versus Duke. So Kansas comes into this contest, ranks number three, and Duke is ranked number four. So just uh, in terms of history, like Kansas has won the last three matchups, but Duke is 7-5 against Kansas all time. So Duke has kind of had their number, but in this matchup, it's kind of going to be youth versus uh, veterans. So we've seen last year uh, when the season opened up in the State Farm Classic, Duke squared off against Kentucky, and that was a young Duke team, but they didn't play young that night. They bust Kentucky's ass, and I remember watching it. <laughs> and um, that's kind of like when the Zion hype just, like, reached new levels because we knew him from high school, but we didn't know, like, if it would translate to the college game, and it's continuing to translate even to the program pro game. But back to this game, uh, I'm excited to watch it because it's going to be some matchups. Like, I want to see uh, – Trey Jones for um for the for the Duke Blue Devils. I want to see him match up against um what's his name Damian Dotson for uh Kansas. And down low, man, this is the probably gonna be the biggest matchup of the game. So I think the big man matchup between Udoka Azabuike and Vernon Carey will be like the the deciding factor in this game. Uh Azubuike is a senior, seven feet, two hundred and seventy pounds, so he's a low down low. Last season, he averaged 13.7 rebounds and nearly two blocks a game. So he's definitely going to play a bigger role this year, especially with Dedrick Lawson uh, being gone. But I think he's ready for that challenge. And then Vernon Carey, he kind of has to step in and, and continue that Duke tradition of, of superstar big man coming to Duke and, you know, becoming top 10 picks. <laughs> You've seen it with Wendell Carter uh, in recent history, Marvin Bagley Jr. I mean, Marvin Bagley III. You've seen it with... Uh, Zion Williamson just this past year so Duke has been Jabari Parker is even another one that went uh number two so Duke has been recruiting some of the top big men and turning them into to high profile NBA players and even if they don't become great NBA players they at least go pretty high in the draft uh Jalil Okafor is another one who won top three so I think Vernon Carey is next in line he's six foot ten 270 pounds he was ranked number six in the class of 2019. He was the third-ranked center, I believe, behind James Wiseman and Isaiah Stewart of Washington. So I think he's going to be really good. Uh, um, I've seen some stuff about his weight, maybe, him not being the most athletic guy. So we'll see how that happens. But as the season goes on, I definitely think um, Coach Krzyzewski will do a good job at making sure he's ready to go. And I just think this matchup tonight is going to be the one I'm watching closely um, if one of those guys gets in foul trouble, the other one is going to eat all night. So that's something to keep a lookout on. But the player I'm most excited to see is Cassius Stanley. Cassius Stanley is super athletic. He just broke, uh, he broke Duke's record this past uh, summer for the highest vertical leap that was previously held by Zion Williamson. So he can jump out the gym. He is super exciting to watch. Uh, L.A. product. I actually thought he was going to go to UCLA, but seeing him go to Duke, um, I think he'll start on opening night alongside Trey Jones in that backcourt. If not, when he gets on the court, I definitely think he'll make an impact. But I think Cassius Stanley is going to be a guy that is is definitely going to crack the first round of the NBA draft. I haven't been seeing him on a lot of mock drafts in the first round, but I think he will um, after his rookie season at Duke. I think he'll go one and done. And the reason why I believe I, I believe so much in Cassius is because I've been watching him all summer. 
Rico Hines runs, uh, just all them pickup basketball games I watch with NBA players, and he's holding his own against them. That jump shot needs to develop, but i seen him working on it the entire summer. Uh, he has to improve his handle too, but if he's playing off the ball, it won't be as much of a – he won't have to adjust it so quickly. But once he gets to the league, he will because he'll probably be a point guard. And then um, I just think his explosiveness in the college game is going to benefit him well. I think he'll average anywhere from like 15 to 17 this year, maybe like three assists. But I think he'll be like one of their go-to guys later in the season. And then the second matchup of the night, uh, Michigan State – Number one, Michigan State versus number two, Kentucky. So Michigan State right now is favored to, to, to win the NCAA title in Vegas. And for good reason. They have veteran leadership. They're led by Cassius Winston, who's probably the best returning point guard in college basketball. He's a senior. Uh, last year, he averaged like 19 points, almost eight assists. Cassius is the real deal. And in the college game, he is, you know, elite. And that's a matchup I'm going to be looking at for this game tonight. I want to see uh, Cassius Winston matched up with Ashton Hagens. Because Ashton is considered one of the best, like, defenders in college basketball. So for Kentucky to have him matched up with him all night, I want to see how that's going to turn out. Uh, Hagens has, like, an NBA body for a point guard, six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, last season, his freshman season at Kentucky, he didn't go too crazy. He only averaged seven points, four assists. But I think his impact uh, in the second half of the season was definitely felt, and he made them a stronger team. So – with him being a full-time starter, I definitely think he's going to play a major role in tonight's game. If I had to make my prediction, I will say I think Kentucky is going to win tonight. And then in the first game, I think Duke is going to win. And I'm kind of favoring with the youth, but the reason why I think Kentucky is going to be pretty dangerous this year is because not only do they have the uh, you know the a top recruiting class with like Khalil Whitney, Tyrese Maxey, um, and all the other guys that they got too, like – those are just two of the ones that I, I know off the top of my head that are going to play major roles for them. But with Ashton Hagens being there, Nick Richards, Emmanuel Quickly, EJ Montgomery, like they have a squad and they now have a, a blend of like veterans on top of like, you know, up and coming one and dones. And that was something you saw when they were dominant with like Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. They had the Harrison twins. Like you had that nice blend and nice mix. And that's what made them so dangerous uh, come NCAA tournament time. And I think that team had only lost one game. So I'm not saying Kentucky is going to go undefeated, but I do think they're going to they're gonna be good. And Michigan State, they'll figure it out. After they go through the Big Ten um, and they go through the Big Ten tournament, they usually enter the NCAA tournament as a different team from when they started. So that's why I think Kentucky will win right now. But um, it's definitely – in the beginning of the season, I think talent wins games. I think later in the season, execution wins games. So – We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Another player I'm excited to watch on Kentucky is Tyrese Maxey. He is a freshman guard, big-time scorer. He is not afraid to let it go. He reminds me a lot of Kobe White. He's just not as big. He's like 6'2 or 6'3, but I think he'll be a first-rounder next year. He can score in bunches. He's explosive. He's fast, and he has no conscience. He don't, he's going to let it go. So I think tonight he can possibly have a big game, but that matchup between Cassius Winston and Ashton Higgins is what I'm going to be paying close attention to tonight. So moving on to my predictions, um, I made my picks for first-team All-American. I chose who I think is going to win Player of the Year, and I also um, chose who I think is going to win the NCAA championship. So my first-team All-American, I'll just jump right into it. Um, at point guard, guy I just mentioned, Cassius Winston. 
I think he is obviously going to play a key role for like the best team in the nation with Michigan State. I think they'll hover around that top five all year long. And with him being a senior, his leadership is going to show. And not only is his stats going to be good, but I also think you're going to see how good of a player he is in late game situations. I think he's somebody that'll put the ball in there in his hands and he'll definitely deliver for them time and time again. And he'll have some memorable moments that'll obviously resonate with voters when it's come time to pick the uh, first team All-American squad. And then for the second guard on the team, I have uh, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony is a freshman at North Carolina that I am high on. I think he'll be a top five pick, top three pick actually in uh, next year's NBA draft. He is super athletic. He can score in bunches. He is a a vocal leader. He's another one of those guys I've seen in the summer running with NBA players. Uh, Chris Brickley has labeled him as like one of the hardest workers that he's been around. And this guy is, you know, a freshman in college. He also has NBA pedigree. His dad is a former NBA player, Greg Anthony, an analyst. Uh, so I think that that pedigree combined with, um, you know, his dad being a pro, those, those, those players whose dad used to be in the league, like Steph Curry, um, Austin Rivers, they kind of come into the league with a different kind of confidence and college as well. So I think he'll walk on campus from day one and be their best player. And I think he'll guide them to some big wins. And I think he'll average like, I, I say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he'll average 20 or more points and five plus assists. And I think he'll be a top three pick in next year's NBA draft. So moving on to the um, first forward I got on the first team All-American list. I got Jordan Noir of the Louisville Cardinals. I think Louisville is going to be one of them sleeper teams that, I mean, they're always good and they always have players that may not be like the biggest statistical producers, but in terms of like when it comes time for them to play in big games, I think you see their impact. Like Donovan Mitchell, I think people had to see how good he was once he went to the NBA, but he was just as good in college and he was just as effective. But just when you put him in a game where it's more spacing, it's more open, you get to see how athletic he is. You get to see, you know, just have more freedom. And I think Jordan Noir is the guy that is going to, um, you know, spearhead the Cardinals attack this year. He averaged 17 last year. He's really versatile. And I think he'll follow up this year with another big campaign. Uh, moving on to the next big man I got. Well, the first big man, but the next forward, I got James Wiseman. Reason for that? He's the number one big man coming out of number one player coming out of high school. I think he'll be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft. He is versatile. He can shoot the rock. He can block shots. He can rebound. He can run the floor. He is like the new age big man. And I don't think he will be as good as Anthony Davis, but he has a lot of similar qualities that AD had coming out of high school. And for him still being like a kid, but seven feet, I think he's like 230 or 240. He's going to be a monster for opposing collegiate big men, especially in the conference he plays in. I think he'll dominate. I think the numbers will be there, and that's why I think he will be, um, you know, a first-team All-American. And then rounding out that first team, I got Udoka Azubuike, guy I just mentioned from Kansas. He'll be there. The numbers will be there. The wins will be there. And he's going to be on TV a lot. Um, Dedrick Lawson averaged like 19 and 10 last year. So that production is gone, and Azubuike was already averaging – 13 and seven with him there. So with him going, I think you'll see numbers close to that 20 points per game, probably even better. He'll average probably nine plus rebounds. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, I think he'll be an elite big man this entire season from start to finish. So once again, Cassius Winston of Michigan State, 
Cole Anthony of North Carolina, Jordan Noir of Louisville, James Wiseman of Memphis, and Udoka Azubuike of Kansas. Those are my picks for first-team All-American. So moving on to the player of the year. Um, this is a guy who I just mentioned. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's in the first-team All-American list I just predicted, but he's a big man. Um, I think he's going to score a lot. I think he's going to block a lot of shots. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, James Wiseman. I think he is going to be the best player on a talented Memphis team led by head coach Penny Hardaway. Precious uh, Achua is there. They have um, a pretty pretty deep team now. You got Boogie Ellis over there. Uh, they also got another guard. Um, I can't think of his name, but he's a, a solid guard. They just signed. He's like 240 pounds, really big, and he can score. They have him on the wing. And then, like I said, I think James Wiseman is going to be the tone setter on offense and defense. And usually in college, if you have a dominant big man, like it's not too many teams that could, you know, stop that player. Like when Julius Randle and DeMarcus Cousins was in college, Carl Anthony Towns, Jaleel Okafor, like if you have a talented big man, he's 20 and 10 in college. Guards is a little easier to defend because the game isn't as wide. It's not as, as open. So he can't really like a Kyrie Irving is better in the league than he is in college because college is more of a team oriented game. You can't hold the ball as long. But with big men, a lot of teams like to work through big men and the college centers are not as big as NBA centers. So on a given night, he might face a center that's six, seven and he's seven feet. And not to mention, is he just big, but he has talent, too. So I think he'll put up some gaudy stats. I think he'll average like. 22 plus maybe like 10 plus rebounds and I think Memphis will win a lot of games so that's my pick for national player of the year and let's just go ahead and announce who I think the national champion is going to be so the teams that I came up with that'll make the championship Memphis Tigers versus the Kentucky Wildcats now <laughs> I just named all the people on Memphis that I think is good but I feel the same way about Kentucky they just have depth they have a good combination between veterans and they have a good combination with like young players. I think they have perimeter scores. I think they have interior scores. Both have interior defenders. So I think it'd be a close matchup. But my um, 2020 NCAA national champion, I got a uh, Kentucky. And the reason for this, I think John Calipari has noticed the, the rumblings that's been going on. Um, he's a great coach and he always has talent. You know, what I mean, players that go one and done all the time. But I think the stigma with him is you get great players that go to the NBA, but you don't really win on the college level. Like, I think the Anthony Davis championship is the only one that he's won at Kentucky, despite all the NBA players he's had. So I think he'll be a little bit more motivated because those rumblings have started to kind of ramp up. And then not to mention now, I think he has a, a more of a complete team. And I think we'll, we'll see it kind of manifest into some, uh, into some players playing for college. Cause I, the reason why I say that players playing for college, I don't think a lot of his players play to win in college, and I don't think he cares to motivate them to do so. I think he tries to create NBA players, and if you want to make it to the league, I think he'll present you with all the tools you need to work on to make it to the league and be a top pick. But if you don't win the NCAA tournament, it's no big deal. He's still getting paid a lot of money. He's still going to get the top recruits. So I think these players now, some of them on his team um, who were like returning players, may not necessarily go high in the draft, but I think that if they can win games in college, it might get them more recognition that can get them into the draft. Like Nick Richards, he was somebody coming out of college, I mean, out of high school, 
who had a big reputation, but he hasn't really like lived up to the hype. So if he can be a key player on the championship team, it'll get him exposure and he might be able to sneak into the league. And I just think that, um, you know, with these players being able to profit now uh, with agents and stuff like that, if they are in college, I think they're taking it a little bit more seriously because it's helping to build their brand. So I'm excited to see what this season is going to look like. Those are my picks. Once again, uh, James Wiseman for player of the year and Kentucky winning a national title. And um, that's a wrap for another edition of the ISO podcast. Before we get out of here, though, I'm going to play a song for the ISO spotlight from I don't know if you guys have tuned into the show yet. Rhythm and flow on Netflix. If you haven't, Go ahead and check that out. It's pretty dope. I enjoyed it. Uh, I honestly thought it would be corny at first, but it actually wasn't. It's real raw. Um, T.I., Chance the Rapper, uh, Cardi B did a great job of judging the talent on that show. But um, one of the guys on that show made a track that I liked. I enjoyed it a lot. I still listen to it right now. Um, I was listening to it in the whip the other day. I've been playing it a lot recently once I figured out it was on iTunes. So this track is from Caleb Colossus. It's not a spoiler alert. <laughs> doesn't tell you anything about the show this is just one of the songs mentioned on the show so maybe this might give you an incentive to go actually tune in and watch it but this track is called michelangelo is from uh, caleb colossus and um yeah that's this track it's not a part of a um like an album or anything like that because it was like one of the challenges they do on the show but this is what he came up with um but yeah thank you guys for tuning in to another episode uh once again you know i appreciate everybody who tunes in Anytime uh, we can sit around and talk basketball is obviously a good time. So tune in to uh, tune in next week. We should be back on our regularly scheduled program on uh, Monday. But uh, if not, definitely uh, it will come next week, like I said. So um, this is Michelangelo from Caleb Colossus. This has been another episode of the ISO podcast with Trey Crowder. And until next time, peace out. Lost. The cab counted forever. Never. On the 17th of May, 1995, a baby destined for the praise and the glory arrived. Indicator years later, he making his strides. Take a step inside the whip if you ready to ride. Watch the pyramid rise while I sit and revise. On my days as a child, boy, get the crust out your eyes. The Panola Road product from Children for Christ. Who had dreams of being great that were rarely advised. By all the teachers and the coaches in charge of the youth. Who would have known he had the talents to light up the booth? First I pierce him in the heart, then I give him my truth. I'm the walking affirmation and the living proof. When he gets the brush, hush, watch him paint the flow. A young black Michelangelo. Let me say my piece, sheesh, gotta let him know. The shit is coming out of my soul. When he gets the brush, hush, watch him paint the flow. A young black Michelangelo. Let me say my piece, sheesh, gotta let him know. The shit is coming out of my soul. Remember back in 2010, I ain't know who I was. Spitting raps on a bus, cause we ain't have shit to discuss. I used to talk about the league and how making it tough. Now I'm in a league of my own with this rapping and stuff. Was out of college, it was rough, real rough. But I elevated to a full-time rapper when I graduated. That's backwards, ain't it? Just look at the portrait I painted. It's like the Sistine Chapel, my ceiling's amazing. Don't even trip, cause I was just like you. With no direction and rejection till my God came through. I'm from the peak. State niggas, so it must be true when I tell the people I bear fruit. Ah.
When he gets the brush, hush, watch him paint the flow. A young black Michelangelo. Let me say my piece, sheesh, gotta let him know the shit that's coming out of my soul. When he gets the brush, hush, watch him paint the flow. A young black Michelangelo. Let me say my piece, sheesh, gotta let him know the shit that's coming out of my soul.